Oh, hi there. Hello. Hey now. Hola. And ba weep grana weep mini bong. However you want to say it. Welcome to that Kev One Show. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. My next guest you know from countless films and shows, but this time my guest may be immortal because he's still got that youthful look, even though he's kind of playing Santa nowadays. But you've seen him in tons of franchises, from Matlock, The Fugitive, and U.S. Marshals, the same characters, The World of Final Destination. He's, he's, he's harassed agents on like shows like Invisible Man, dealt with the dead in Bubba Hotep, and most of you probably recognize him from Rob Zombie's Three from Hell, and as the Count in The Monsters. Now he's here to raise you up with his own production company in his own production, such as St. Nick of Bethlehem and the critically acclaimed Getting Grace, which uh, made me cry the other night, and that's hard for me to do. <laughs> well, you may know him as well from the show Lost, but let's find Daniel Roebuck. Welcome to the show. Oh, uh, I like what you did there. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Oh. My gosh, look at this studio we're in. <laughs> It's now, can we wild. Yeah, yeah. The shrimp scampi, I, the the pork fried rice. Yeah. I like that you have the prime rib there, right? Anyway, gosh, this is I've never been on such a big soundstage for a podcast, but you guys really do it right here. I mean, we got to for you. Come on. You've been yeah. Jay Leno, you've been Matlock Jr., you've been everywhere. Oh. I know it's weird, isn't it, for a guy who's this is my dream. Um, you, I, I, I could have. How would you even think that I spent my life loving Universal monsters, and one day I was going to be one? That is I'm wild. Up. Yeah, that's. I mean, I almost. Yeah, I almost. I can't even imagine that. It's just. Oh. Oh. And yeah. I mean, your own action figure. My text today showed me uh, he brought in a figure because he's a fan of the, oh. your monsters figure. Which I oh, guess they're not calling. Right. Yeah, they're not calling Grandpa. Are they calling him the Count officially? I guess. Right? Well, yeah, well, yeah. He's not alive yet in mm. our story. He's not Grandpa. Not Dracula. Yeah. Oh Gosh, my God. That's... What was that like? Becoming quote the Count in quote in the monsters. I mean, like my God. I mean. It was. It was. It was so crazy um, that there's just no way to explain it. Let me. Mm -hmm. Can you edit your tape? Uh, yeah. In post, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then hold on one second. Don't go away. Oh, yeah. Oh no, what? I had to leave, had to leave my car at this job. I can't even mess it up. Alright, so thank you. We can go back to the Munsters. Okay. Um, yeah, so look, one day I'm driving to a friend's wedding. I get a call from Rob Zombie. We're driving in Illinois. My wife is wearing a Lily Munster shirt. Yeah. As we're driving to this wedding. And then Rob 
Rob Zombie's name comes up on the car. Like, oh, okay. answering that. Uh, <laughs> your phone's plugged in. Yeah. Dan, I wanted to ask if you would be part of a movie. I was, I mean, dude, Kevin, I was like, if you're, if you're punking me, this would be the meanest thing anyone's ever done. Oh, my God. I, I couldn't. I couldn't even believe it. And then the worst thing was, I went into a gaggle of all of my dearest friends who I wanted to tell, and I couldn't. Just NDA, like, like even it was just like because it was so under wraps, or like was it, it just was on? So under wraps, yeah. It was, you know, I think it was at ninety percent gonna happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then we had COVID and COVID again. And we were going to go, and then we didn't go, and then we were going to go again, and mm. we didn't go. I started thinking, oh, crap, I know Hollywood. Hollywood at some point is just going to go. It's not worth it. Yeah. But You never know. Yeah, also, like, oh, it's been too long. Now Timothy Chalamet is going to be the count. Like, no, no, no. Be right. So I told someone today, by the way, we're talking about being uplifting. I'm yeah. like, you got put out positivity. Mm-hmm. So when the merch just came out, there was so much, so much crap talk about it. And, and people would say, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I didn't watch two minutes of it. Hmm. Well, I, if you don't watch two minutes of it, then I, How could you know? then you're, bur- you're burning right. a book without reading it. But, you know, for whatever reason, they don't like his talent. They don't like his success. They don't like the fact that the guy could be a rock star and a filmmaker. They don't like the fact that his wife is gorgeous and mm. talented mm. and ter- person. And it, the, all this this evil permeates, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and even as we talk, I'll tell you a story in a bit about the count and why that's even more personal to me. People saying, what, you know, these people don't deserve these parts. He only casts his friends. And even I would be like, oh, I don't deserve this part. <laughs> my whole life has been working toward this part. Mm. No one's worked harder to be Grandpa Munster yeah. than me. Is that what, maybe and, that's why you were so good, because you were really a standout in it, for sure. Like, you just well, couldn't take your eyes I, off. I was lucky enough. I look, I got to be the guy who was most like the guy in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had to be Lily 30 years younger, and he had to be Herman from Newborn. Uh, yeah. So I, I was... And I'm, you know, Al Lewis is from the Bronx. I'm from the Leon Valley. That's about a hundred miles as a crow flies between the two, mm. maybe maybe sixty miles. Um, you know, we're the same shape, the same size. Like I, I put on his Grandpa Munster coat, and it fits fine. Really, um, the actual yeah. one? Whoa! Yeah, oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you a picture of that. It's yeah. From. from uh, Monsters go home. So is but, is that the character you'd want to play for Monsters since you grew up loving it, or was there? Would you want to be Herman, or would you want to be? Who? I, I auditioned to be Herman. Oh. But in reality, that's not how I would have ever been cast because mm. of because of my size. I'm not, you know, that those actors who I know, uh, you know. By the way, I'm a guy. Uh, here's something that you, no one else could say. I've worked with every Herman Munster. Really? I did a movie with Fred Quinn. I did a movie with Ed Herman. I did a TV show with Sam McMurray. 
and you know it's all meant to be yeah it's all meant to be but i'm getting to this to just say mm-hmm. on your you know as you talk about stuff they just announced uh i think andrew garfield is gonna be frankenstein and and hmm. uh um uh, i'm sorry the the mexican uh Danny Trejo, or, oh, Robert Rodriguez, or uh, Guillermo del Toro? Guillermo del Toro. Mm. That's that's just my age. And don't write a letter that I said the Mexican director. I know the guy, I know he's from Mexico. I can see, oh, yeah, yeah. I can maybe see if we can bleep it, or or maybe they'll sound worse. (laughs) You explained it. I would have said the Oklahoma director, it would have been him, right? Yeah. So, anyway, they just re-announced that it's John, uh, it's, uh, the guy from Saltburn. Oh, okay. Now, um, Cohegan or something, the lead guy? Or I just saw it last weekend. Uh, the, t- the, the tall, handsome boy. Barry, Barry, Co- oh, or the, the guy that he was obsessed with, or the main guy? Yeah, in the, oh. the one he was obsessed with. Oh, I don't recall his name, but yeah. He was, he was up for Superman. I can see that. I was going to say yeah. that. I didn't know that, though. But yeah, I can totally see yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm coming to. So they just announced that he's Frankenstein. And already somebody says they put a picture of the guy up on the internet and go, they just announced he's Frankenstein. I don't see it. <laughs> like, but you, you can't see it because he's not Frankenstein yet. Yeah. They just showed a picture of an actor and, mm. and who's proven himself. Look, yeah. he's at the level where he's being considered for Superman. Yeah. You're, you know, you're at a top echelon level of actors. You know. Mm-hmm. So uh, hmm. anyway, I'm getting around to this. Why are people so negative immediately? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. You know, I. I don't, and it's worse and worse than ever, isn't it? I. Don't, I mean, I don't want to. You know, the devil, the details, technology. I feel like with the internet and everything, and like, like your Google, for example, is different than my Google. It's all. It's made us all kind of more narcissistic. So if anyone's yeah. an actual narcissist, like if they would just would have been in the '80s, for example, or '60s, whatever, like they're they're like a narcissist on steroids, you know? Like your Google might have a bunch of monsters information that mine wouldn't when I open up my Google News, for example, because right. just or the algorithm. Or, so it makes everyone yeah, feel like the or, world revolves around them even more, you know? Or yeah, so it's even worse that it's not yeah. information; it's political information. Oh yeah, or that. You know? <laughs> You're know, like, by the way, people, yeah. But it's only people arguing your same point of view. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, it's a problem in Hollywood that I, I used to, we were talking about the strike and the actors, mm-hmm. you're going to call, I want a couple call, come on during the strike, because mm-hmm. I, me personally feel the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States supersedes what SAG wants from me, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean? mm-hmm. I, I've been a member of SAG for 40 years, mm-hmm. but I've, I've been an American citizen for 60, mm-hmm. and you know, I, nobody can tell me what I'm allowed to not to talk about or not talk about. Mm-hmm. It's absurd. Yeah. See, but the, 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 that is that aside. Um, we're talking. About, I'm sorry. We're, mm-hmm. we're talking about things here. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I just my train of thought derailed. Oh, um, we can talk about anything. Tons of stuff and more. Um, I just just people being positive. Mm-hmm. People being yeah. negative. Um, so I was, I was, just, my commentary is, you know, actors need to learn to shut up. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I would check in on what regular people thought mm-hmm. about this, 
right. And it wasn't hard. All you had to do was go to the SAG Facebook page mm-hmm. and see what the Oh yeah. Made. Yeah, what it's about? funny. You go to the grocery you go to the grocery store and a lot of people when I talk to um I almost said civilians, but people that are not in the industry, like they'd be like not a ton, but a, more than a couple, way more than a few would say like, oh, what strike? What strike? And I'm like, whoa, what? You know, they weren't aware. They just, it wasn't like this crazy all, end all news to them, you know? Yeah, they, they and actors, uh, writers literally thought the world would, would see, like you can't, we're, you know, we're blessed, lucky mm-hmm. people yeah. who, who work in this business. Mm-hmm. You will never convince a guy who digs a ditch mm-hmm. that you work as hard as he does because that was my dad and mm-hmm. until he was on a set and watched me act and produce and direct simultaneously <laughs> he had no mm-hmm. idea how hard I worked mm-hmm. uh, because he dug ditches mm-hmm. and he knew how hard that was but the comic man during the SAG strike and the writer's strike all they were saying was you know, good, you're not working. Yeah, you don't deserve to work. Yeah, you haven't entertained us for years. You know? Mm-hmm. So nobody was on our side. Yeah, not by and large, yeah. It's a, it's a good point. Yeah. Nobody was on our side. So we've got to just remember the, the, the regular folk, they, they do tend to work harder than we do because, you know, they work every day mm-hmm. when they can. And we work when we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew at least, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton probably, I'm sure, but I, I know at least one actor that was a, uh, a huge Netflix show he was on. And he's, I think to this day, when I last talked to him, uh, he had a day job, like delivering packages and stuff, you know, just with the strike going on and on. And, you know, so that's that's what they've reduced that guy to, I mean, we have to pay our bills, you know, regardless of of our ideas of what kind of artists we are. If you're a family man, your responsibility is to your family. Hmm. Uh, beyond that, your responsibility is to yourself. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, you, gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. Yeah, hmm. and I never, you know, they complain, everybody complained about, oh, the money, these guys make more money. Well, it's, uh, you know, you're, by the way, the writers make more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. And I'm a writer too, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we nobody was screaming about showrunners making 150 million a year. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they were mad that Bob Iger did, and you know Bob Iger was you know he said terrible things. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just terrible. Let's say you let's direct this conversation. Oh, is there a, you, well, more positivity? Uh, what? So yeah, yeah, sure. So um. Speaking of positivity, so many countless roles. What do you re- what do you get recognized from the most? I guess I'll add the the caveat of in a positive way. I'm guessing they're all positive for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, no one's throwing yeah. tomatoes at you, tomatoes at you if they didn't like monsters, but people who loved it probably go up to you with a monster shirt or something, and they loved it, right? But uh, what? Oh, no, they, yeah. the, the fans are the fans. No, nobody has. You've got to be like quantum leap once. I, a woman I remember saying to me in a grocery store, you were so mean to your mother. <laughs> oh, like, you're you know, that wasn't really me. That was just. Oh, that's I, always I the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, it, it, it really depends on the age. Yeah. Uh, 
the sex and the race of the people. You have to have such a swath of different demographics coming up to you from either from Matlock or, you know. Yeah, or the Disney Channel. Wow, uh, it's countless things, you know, yeah. You know, for all those nice Matlock people, you know, they're, mm. they're born to Jesus soon. <laughs> uh, and yeah. then, put in know, a good put in a good word for you, maybe. Put in a good word for you. Can skip all... That boy from Matlock comes, take care of him. Yeah. But then, you know, I have the Disney Channel uh, kids. But I can always, I can see from the look, and I'll, I always try to help them. I say, how old are you? He's 24, Disney Channel, Sonny with a chance. Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> yeah. And you have that um, distinct voice, too. I wonder if anyone just recognizes your voice out of yeah, nowhere, like in line somewhere. I, nope. I did not ever think I have a distinct voice. But we were in Niagara Falls once, and someone tapped me on the shoulder, and and they had walked past me, and they said, I didn't even look up to see your face, but I heard your voice. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting, because that's something about an actor you don't know. Hey, one time we're on Hollywood Boulevard, and some two people from Japan, and they were <coughs> Japanese from Japan, and they were so excited, and they said words in Japanese. Then they said Daniel Roebuck, and then words in Japanese. And my friend Dwayne Whitaker goes, I think if there's any such thing as critical mass, we may have just witnessed it. Like, if they know your name, but they don't speak the language. Wow, yeah. Their name existed. What project was it that they knew you from, or that they were all about? You're like perfect. you're like that you're you're a living version of that band T-shirt they say we're really big in Japan. You know, a lot of bands have that shirt. Oh, we're, we're huge in Japan. <laughs> Daniel, we're like huge in Japan. <laughs> really, really big in Japan. It'll be your Netflix <laughs> special. <laughs> There's a line. Uh, a plane in 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 uh, Buenos Aires. Ooh. Literally stepped off the gangway. My foot touched. The, the, you know, Buenos Aires airport, and a guy walking by said, Love you on Lost. Oh my God. And, yeah. said, <laughs> and you think, oh, they watch TV here. It's a, it's, it's a, you know, it's great, a blessing, a medium. What's funny is for an actor like a character actor, yeah. you really go the other way, which is, um, you know, you, if, if they think nobody knows who you are, mm -hmm. but everybody, yeah, you're the every man. You're like, yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, you're like everyone's best friend. You, I mean, you do it. You're like one of the kings, if not the king. You're in the running at least. If there was some sort of tally for the king of the, the character actors, like, was there a moment in your career where you realized you had that niche where the phone just ringing off the hook and you're like, God, I am. You're playing every other agent, every other policeman, every other best buddy. Yeah, I don't know that. No. Look, God, God is good to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know that phones ever been ringing off the hook. <laughs> yeah. And it would be uh, great hubris of me to, to suggest that that were possible. Mm -hmm. But, there, you know, I've, I've been very busy for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but the thing is about me, um, and I, I preach this to every actor I know, mm. I'm not working, I'm making a documentary. Mm. I mean, we're not not working i'm writing a script when i'm not working you know fathering my children i'm you know mm. husband, my wife and mm. but when i'm not working i'm working yeah. and even when i am working i had a series on mm. paramount called a 
minute with Stan Hooper, and I had a side hustle, which was I was producing these interstitial uh, shows for the Monsters HD channel about people collect things. Ooh, so, what's that called? I, it's, it's called uh, Monsterama. Okay. People, you can find them. Yeah. They're online, Monsterama, Elvira's the host. Oh, I love Elvira. Yeah. Have a crush on her. Who doesn't have a crush on her? But I saw her at a Comic Con or two. She goes to a lot of those, obviously. Yeah. She, yeah. yeah she, oh, she does. She's in the Monsters. Uh, yeah. So, well, you know, I got to go down and have breakfast with her every morning. Oh. Is she, as, is she as nice as. Oh, great. That's great oh, to hear. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Top notch human. Top notch. See, you can, you can meet your heroes, you know? Sometimes I say not to. You can? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, of course you can. Look, you know, I met a lot of my heroes. Oh, shit, man. I spent three years with Andy Griffith. Oh. You know, uh, really nine years overall, but three, three consecutive seasons. And, I mean, I go to work every day with a guy I admire almost more than any other actor. Mm. Just because you know, of his yeah. range. That's awesome. Uh, that was his version. That was your I love you, I know moment, like Star Wars. Exactly. That was my first You're exactly right. What are you going to be like? Was it cold on Tatooine? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing to say instead of just being tongue-tied and being like, oh, it's a, it's yeah. a beautiful day for a weather, huh, boss? And he's like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> oh, that's great. Just last act, he was, he was something. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun job to stand next to people you admire. And I, I always thought of that, you know, uh, and that's the character actor. You, yeah. you, you, your job is to stand next to the I was listening to this. I'm not so good with all these guys, but it was a uh, college basketball coach, and they were talking about a player, and and he was saying how this player's job was to never shoot. You do not hmm. shoot because he was a, he was a setup guy, hmm. and he said, I, "I'm the guy who taught him. You don't shoot." You don't take a chance. You just get that ball to my shooter. And I, I was watching that thinking, that really is what we are, isn't it? Hmm. Those of us who live in the character world. Hmm. But, you know, and I, yeah. I mean, 
I star in movies too. Yeah. Uh, and that's a different situation. But if I'm in The Fugitive, I'm there to. Yeah. Next to Tommy Lee Jones. To, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm Polly and Tommy. Yeah. And he's putting it over the net. Yeah. But my job isn't to put it over the net. My job is to give it to Tommy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that's. Um, when you realize that, you know, that's your value, it's not just your talent, it's your value that they come to you because they know you're, you can lob it, you can, you can get the shot, you can get the shot ready. And that's how I've ended up on, you know, I'm on Nash Bridges for years, and then that guy goes to do Lost, and I'm on Lost for years, and it's because he knows that you know, give me, give me the gold, write me the gold, and I'll get it up there. And then, you know, your series regulars, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll set it up and they'll, they'll shoot and score. Hmm. So. And you, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if like the Harrison Fords and, and those guys out there, like, look at you like, as like the journeyman as like, you know, like, you know, you're the, you know. Like a real linchpin, you know. know. I know I it's all part of the machine, like you said, as well. But you know, but you know. they're movie fans, uh, you know, they if they're movie fans, they know it's the characters, mm-hmm. and then you know who who really round out why a movie's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think of you've you've got a great movie like uh, uh, what's the Mark Bress movie with De Niro and. Charles Grodin. Uh, oh, uh, Midnight Run, maybe? What's Midnight that? Run, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But what's Midnight Run without Joe Pantoliano, mm-hmm. you know, Bosco, mm-hmm. uh, Dennis Marina, uh, you know, John Kent, those, all those actors that are supporting those two stars make that, because you can't be with the stars all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got Dennis Marina. Idiot one, put idiot two on the phone. <laughs> you know, Richie Ferranti and, mm. and uh, you know, the two morons. <laughs> you know, idiot one, put idiot two on the phone. And, and uh, you know, I'll put a, every time Dennis Freeda speaks, he's like, I'll put a pencil in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> Some other horrible thing that he would do. But uh, Joe Pants, Joey Pantoliano, so entertaining all yeah. the time. I think I worked with him on, I think, Dr. Vegas, I want to say it was called, back in years and years oh, ago. Oh, did you what, do it as an actor? Yeah, yeah. Just supporting, oh, I was at the gambling table with him. Strip club scene, so. Long day. <laughs> Joey Pants. Joey Keller's trying Joey, now, I hated him in The Fugitive, because I kept giving my lines to him. Really? And, and, oh, yeah, and he would... God, I've never seen a guy steal focus. He's a master of it. But read his books. He takes full responsibility for it. He goes, yeah, that's what I do. I steal focus. That's hmm. what I do. You know, <laughs> like he's just, not a shit. Just naturally, or he, it's what he strives for, too? Or is, is that yes. his... He really doesn't care about the uh, other act. Huh. He brags about it. <laughs> but, you know, look, some of being self-aware, you're not, if you're a self-aware douchebag, well, at least that <laughs> we were on the same. I know that you know that I know you're a douche. <laughs> you know, so I'm not yeah. as mad at you. Yeah. And by, by the time we got to the second movie, mm-hmm. I, you know, we were all, I was, we, I 
was writing so many one-liners, I couldn't use them all. Mm. I go, Joey, do you need a joke? Yeah, what do you got? What do you got? Uh, okay. I sure weren't friendly last night. That was my joke because I gave it to him because I had the next joke that I wanted to use. Huh. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's how it turned. Anyway, mm. character actors, uh, it's all I ever really needed to be. Yeah. Probably now, was there ever a point in your career, like years and years ago or whenever, uh, where you were like, you know, I don't want to be, you know, the guy next to the guy. I want to be the rogue cop. I want to be the bad guy or no. Were you always... It just wasn't, it wasn't in the stars. You know, yeah. I recognized that, that God's plan for me mm -hmm. uh, was to be the utility infielder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know what? I made a lot of money being the utility infielder. Mm -hmm. I've, I put two kids through Catholic school and college. Mm -hmm. You know, just going mm -hmm. to work every day not complaining, always knowing my lines, always ready, always ready to ad-lib and improvise mm. if something's necessary. Um, mm. Are you a, you an improv a lot, or? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love always, like, I always love adding a little something to my character. It just kind of makes it, it makes it fit finally, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't have to if the director's really hardcore about the lines, but I love, like, you know, adding a little realism well, to it. Well, you should. I mean, yeah. look, I, I write and direct, and mm -hmm. If an actor says to me, I have an idea, believe me, I lean in mm. and I say, tell me your idea. Because, you know, they're also utility players. Mm. And I recognize I recognize their value. I don't have someone like Martin Deadline or Tim Goodwin on the set and not know uh, Brett Anthony, not know mm. Dwayne Whitaker, not know that these actors can bring something to it that I didn't foresee. Uh, but you, you know, like if you act for a living, uh, or act, you know, if you just act, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you know where you can have live and where you can't, I can, uh, leave it to an actor to, you know, you may have made something a little hard to say in the writing. Once on getting grace, which you say you saw, mm -hmm. uh, we're in the scene mm -hmm. that, you know, the, in the hospice and those, Mm. Those scenes were so difficult to shoot. Mm. And Marsha Deadline, who's the greatest actress I know, says, Honey, um, in speech, um, I was wondering if I could say, and I, you know, we're like all in this, this very small, like I wouldn't let anybody come in, who would like makeup in. Mm. I didn't want, it was, it was the minimal crew. Mm -hmm. I, I said, Marsha. Say whatever it is you want to say. Mm. Just make the point. Make the point correctly. Mm. She goes, "Oh, thank you." You know, because there's just too many yous in in what. And I was, I said, Marsha, the director already said that you can say whatever you want to say. You don't have to insult the writer. Who's also, <laughs> also there? You, yeah. Well, it's written by you and one other person. I want to say, right? I feel, I feel like I'm yeah, in the credits. Yeah, Jeff Lewis. Great guy, Jeff Lewis. Uh, his script came to me so long ago. Hmm. And I had stayed on it, and he and I rewrote it together. He wrote it. He was so young. Um, you know, you, you come up with, you hmm. understand eventually, Kevin, that um, one thing that's come in my brain after all this, you know, I, I kind of know how movies work. Hmm. I know how, I know how to bring 
an audience on a journey. I know, you know, for the most part, what you're gonna, we film it and then we cut it out because we go, it's, you know, it's dist- distracting, whatever. Mm. Uh, so mm. the other week, the movie you saw, yeah. Jeff Lewis. Oh, getting grace. I can't recommend it enough. I mean, I, I saw it on, I looked for it on my Roku. I want to say it was on Vudu or Fandango. Is it streaming in a couple it's places? Not, yeah. I mean, if you buy it for... You buy it to, yeah, Prime probably, etc. Yeah. So... But it's on but I always say to people, and, and trust me, I'm not getting any of the money, so directing you <laughs> to buy it. You'll see it without commercials. Oh, so yeah. I'm, Even better, I'm yeah. I mean, I don't usually go for tearjerkers, but man, when like the little girl like is is there talking to your character Bill about like what was it? She says something about and she's there with the main character Grace, you know, but she says something about um her custom. Oh, hello. Hmm. Hey, buddy. Hey. And hopefully that wasn't okay. me. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so what were we talking about? So I can let that in. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about, oh, um, we can just, we can get right back to that part. <laughs> Where were we on that part of the episode? Oh, getting grace. Like, um, I was saying, like, I don't usually go for tearjerkers, but when that little girl was talking about, um, to your character, Bill, about there's a lot of dark in her future and she wants a light in her, her casket oh and like a, and an iPad or a DVD player. Oh my gosh. It's waterworks. Yeah. It's, you know, it was, what drew me to it was I've always been fascinated by the funeral profession. Hmm. Uh, I thought about becoming a funeral director at one point. Really? Because the truth is nobody, when you're 12 years old in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania and you know your dream, is to be a professional entertainer. I mean, you might as well want to be, uh, you know, an astronaut. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's impossible. Uh, and so, you know, I remember for freshman year in high school, my report on a possible (coughs) career was funeral director. Oddly, I do now because of getting grace, I actually have, uh, a, I have a funeral director's honorary degree. That oh, day. Wow. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Institute of Mortuary Science gave me a degree in funeral directing and embalming. Hmm. But they mentioned many times hmm. that I wasn't really allowed to embalm anybody. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, you're just going to walk in. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you're always looking for the next stream of income. How's mom? <laughs> Oh yeah, she's not good. Really? Oh, you know, <laughs> okay, you know, I'll give it with your suitcases. I I heard a little of your I heard a little of your Jay Leno and that really. Got a little Jay, did you? Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, I'm very proud of that movie. First movie we did, a great actors in it. Second movie coming out uh, on March first will be. Um, St. Nicholas? Oh, Lucky Louie. Lucky, yeah. 
that's the one I wrote and directed with my daughter, Grace. Third one, hopefully this year, will be The Hail Mary, which we're in the final post-production here this month. And then the next one will be St. Nick of Bethel. Although that I co-directed with my pal, Spencer Fulmer, a great guy, and we definitely enjoyed that. Are you still sporting the beard from uh, St. Nick? The great I beard? Do not, no, it's very, I've got a very weird, I had to take the beard off because I, I went from playing St. Nick to playing Ebenezer Scrooge. Whoa, okay. <laughs> I did that live, well, I, you know, on stage mm-hmm. at the Andy Griffith Playhouse, oh, which awesome. is in Mount Airy, North Carolina, where Andy lived. You know, it's the same stage he put it on. <sighs> so... I did that. I had to shave it for that. Did you have the Ebenezer uh, Scrooge chops, or were you just clean shaven? Or um, oh, we'll send you some pictures. Uh, it was an adaptation I I've done with another fella, Ted, uh, and uh, I kind of overwrote his his script. He's passed on. Mm. Uh, but uh, in our version, uh, it starts uh, it starts on the streets of London with our character witnessing events and then uh, he has uh, an interaction with a young boy and you know the young boy reveals I say God bless you boy and he says God bless us all Mr. Dickens and from that then I start relating you know Marley was dead to begin with at that point Mm. Uh, you know and Mm. while I'm talking uh, that monologue uh, I start making myself up. Uh, you know, they bring out a, hmm. you know, my button chops, and I put them on while I'm talking. Hmm. And the wig, put that on, and we change costumes. You know, and by the time I'm done with the opening monologue, uh, I'm Scrooge. Wow. So hmm. fun and theatrical, you know. Yeah. A good, uh, a good tribute to Aunt, uh, Wow, Fanny Griffith too. Wow. Yeah, I mean, look, the guy meant a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, and we found Mount Airy because we, I went there once as a, as kind of a fan tourist. And uh, I was with the people from the Chamber of Commerce, and they took me to the Andy Griffith Museum, and I met this terrific lady, Tanya Jones, who's kind of the overseer of the arts there, hmm. Surrey Arts Council. Mm-hmm. And I was in the Andy Griffith Museum, and like the minute we, you know, it's hard to not know it's me because I'm there, and there's the Matlock case, and there's my photo. I was gonna say, there's gonna and, be a picture uh, of you at least next to him, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm in it. <laughs> and all the people who were in there wanted their picture made, and so all that happened. Oh, wow. And uh, Tanya goes, "Well, you just passed your audition for Mayberry Days." <laughs> oh. Uh, the bell of the so ball. So we go to Mayberry Day. That's the third week of September, and they celebrate everything Andy Griffith. Hmm. Uh, so, can I, I tell you an Andy Griffith story? Yeah. I, I have so a Matlock theme in my I head right now, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering, like, I was going to say, do you have the, the ringtone or something? Like, every time you get a voicemail, it goes, da na 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 oh, you're like, Ooh. I wonder if they you know, know, one day I, I was walking through, uh, I was walking through the CBS Radford lot, 
mm-hmm. which is in North Hollywood. And uh, I'm walking through the lot on my way to a job, and I hear, bum, da, 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 da. I'm like, what the? F-? <laughs> and I, I follow the music, and they were they were on the stage, you know, recording that week's episode. Whoa, awesome! And I I didn't know that they recorded there. I didn't, you know, I was, I was. Uh, this was before I was a regular. I remember correctly. Because you played different but roles played, on it, didn't you? Technically, or I did. I played different yeah. characters throughout. Played four different people. That's so funny. But then I, yeah. you know, I, I got to go in and watch a little of that. Um, so, so uh, there's a play, which was also a movie, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a TV show called. Um, um, I'm sorry. Uh, no time for sergeants. No time for and sergeants. The play, no time for sergeants is famous because there's this guy who originated the part and the part literally made him famous and his name was Andy Griffith so nobody ever does this play because it's about World War II and uh, no, it's, a, it's about right after World War II and uh, it's just hard to do because it requires 40 men and like hmm. two women uh, nobody ever does it because, but they did it in Glendale at this mm. Glendale Center Theater, and I auditioned for it, and much to my astounding joy, got cast mm. as the character Andy played. Oh my gosh! So, yeah. and this character speaks to the audience from the play opens, and he walks on, and he narrates the whole play. He's on stage for an hour and 15 minutes in the first act and an hour and 15 minutes in the second act. And he, he almost never steps off stage. And uh, so when I met Andy Griffith, when they brought me in to be on the first episode, um, and they brought me to Andy. They said, Andy, this is Dan Roebuck. He's playing the doctor. And, you know, Andy said, how are you? And I said, uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even I, I mean I this was before I met Harrison Ford but let's say it's that, like your role model it's like almost one of the reasons you got into yeah, acting in a way no. right or I, I, I had no like I worked with Dennis Hopper the good news about Dennis I was too stupid to know like how lucky I was with mm. that but with this I knew I knew I was standing next to you know yeah. A genius. Like living gold. So, yeah. <laughs> so I finally squeaked out. And I said, it's so nice to me. I, I just did no time for sergeants. And Andy turned. He said, you did no time for sergeants. He goes, who'd you play? I said, you know, Will Stockdale. You played Will Stockdale? He played Will Stockdale. And he goes, everybody. He played now. And that's, you know who played that part? I did. In the play. <laughs> and in the movie. And in the TV show. And he played the part I played. And so then we had our scene. And then the next day, the director uh, 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 says to me at craft service, he says, I don't know what happened yesterday, 
<laughs> he goes, but uh, the old man wants you to be a series regular. Whoa. And you were just a doctor for an episode or something, right? Or I was just like one scene with him. Huh. Uh, in the in the scene, I know what happened. I know, I know from an actor's point of view. And he and I, I'll be honest with you, we never discussed this. <laughs> but what happened was when we did the rehearsal, he said, "He goes, I have a pain right here," and he pointed, you know, to his right belly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, I don't know. It doesn't seem." So that's how we did it. When he did the first take. Uh, he said, you know, when we came back after they lit it, he said, I have a pain right here. And he pointed below his belt line. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, well, I, and I grabbed his belt and I pulled it out and I shoved my hand into where he pointed. Uh-huh, yeah. And he did his little thing. I don't even think it's in the show, but it was in the take. Uh-huh. It was in the first take. Yeah. And, uh, what what the director really said was, I I don't know what you did with your hand to his man yesterday, but he wants you on the oh, show. Sure. That was the joke he made. Oh, now th- this is the other thing. Who's the director? Tony Mortante, a rap from West Side Story. Wow. Like just the director of the show. Did he direct a lot of them, or or just that? He directed a number of them. Hmm. He never directed one after that that I was on. Hmm. I did write him down, by the way, because uh, he had a new book out, and uh, I found him online, and I wrote him an email that said, you know, you don't know this, <laughs> but you, you having, you blessing me by putting me in that first episode turned into three years on the show. <laughs> like, you know, that's unbelievable. That's a gift you can't even make up yeah it's i mean the fact that you're playing different characters that's something that would be frowned upon nowadays with binging and so it's like a really uh, it's miraculous it's very miraculous you know it's wild yeah dude they wouldn't even let me be on csi they there's a there was a seven year uh moratorium if you were on csi you could be on csi again for seven years Hmm. but errol kritzer the genius casting director I think kept a list of when you when you became available again. No alarm pops up. That's funny. <laughs> so I think it was seven years and a week uh, after I, you know, I could be on it that I could be on it again. Yeah, I remember your co-star from Lost. I might be butchering his name, Anthony O'Quinn or Terry O'Quinn. He was on X Files. I remember guys in high school and middle school when X Files was on. He was on in multiple different roles. I'm like, wait, this guy because he was great and he stand out a little bit. But I'm like, this guy's a different character. Yeah. And then he was in X Files the movie, and you're like, that's now he's the bomb expert. <laughs> it's just kind of. Like, I'm like, all right. You know, like, it's like we're watching theater, you know, which I guess we are. Yeah, Terry O'Quinn <laughs> could put his right. He could take his wig off or put the wig yeah. on. But Daryl Quinn, I love to tell, he did a matlock with us. Oh, and really? Was, you know, yeah. he was very, I try to say this because I don't want this to be an insult. Sure. Daryl Quinn yeah. was a very particular, and mm. he was great. And we recognized, because I knew his work from, shit, just Daryl Quinn and Rocketeer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Her- uh, Howard Hughes, wasn't he, I want to say? Cause I love, I love the Rocketeer, Howard yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, you've already got, like, I'm in. I'm in on mm. material quit. I'm in material quit. That's good. He was I'm in material quit. Very particular. 
mm-hmm. and perhaps a little off-putting mm-hmm. in his particularness. And mm-hmm. then I bumped How so? How so? Just the intensity uh, on set? Or? He was just... I'm, I'm trying to... Because yeah. there's an end to the story. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was just... He was, you know, he didn't screw around. He didn't play around. He was, he was not part of our shenanigans, mm-hmm. you know, because when you're on a series, when you're mm. regular, you have shenanigans yeah. that go on. You throw tape balls at each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you did he did he ever try to like you know be the parent in a way like hey guys knock it off or no or not quite that no, not no, that far like that. Yeah. You, you would never do that on someone else's side oh. but he revered I know he and uh, Andy loved each other you know like mm. Andy oh, okay. right now. Mm. so alright then I bump into him outside of the sun place you know where we all stay when we work in Canada and oh. I was like Gary Danny Robuck remember what we did now oh yes I do remember Nice to see you. Very reserved. Hmm. Uh, you know, because hmm. we're all actors. We all walk out, and you try to... Every show in Canada is going simultaneously. Hmm. And you get into the wrong van constantly. Because hmm. there's six oh, vans in front yeah. of them, And you got to get into your van. Anyway, hmm. so Terry yeah. Quinn, I thought, oh, it's Terry Quinn. Hmm. Then they cast me on Lost. And I'm like, oh, Terry Quinn. Gee, I... I wonder if he'll remember me. Mm-hmm. And I pull up, and the door of the van opens, and there's Terry O'Quinn without a shirt on, with just shorts and his shoes, and he's throwing a football. And he's like, he sees me go, Dan Roebuck is on our set! Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> I think he's gone native. Yeah. <laughs> He's lost it. Well, you know, Terry O'Quinn is a perfect example of an actor who has proven his mettle for 40 years and finally was given a real opportunity to show what he really had in him. And Mm. I think it just made him so happy. We had so much fun on Lost. Oh, what a nice man. Hmm. What a what a good human being. Yeah, I've been rewatching uh, Alias, and he's great on that too. Yeah, just uh, what's well, G.J. Abrams? I guess too. Yeah. One led to the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and I mean all those guys <coughs> got on Lost just because it happened so fast. They called people they knew. Nobody could have known it was a phenomenon. Hmm. An explosive role, to be sure. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you probably get recognized from that a lot, right? For a while, or for a yeah, bubble, yeah, yeah. it had to be like rock star. Yeah, yeah, that was. I got a lot of, a lot of. You know, it's. Um, I don't know. Now people are just kind of, you know, saying, "Oh, it's, I know you're the guy." Yeah. You have everything. <laughs> uh, you know, or or you get the opposite, where someone will say, "I know you." You used to star in movies in the 80s. Oh, God. You know, oh, God. I, I can take a lot. But you're, like, even, you're like, don't write my I, eulogy, jeez, you know? Uh, <laughs> I, I said to him, buddy, I started a movie last week. I don't know where you've been. Yeah. But, and I directed you know, it, and I produced it, you know? Well, it's, it's yeah. just so weird. I think I've been in 100, I had to count this because I was making a point to someone, within 140 movies, and I think I started 80 of them. 
Well, I was, wa- I was watching when he started in the other night, uh, Night Shift, or Late Shift, with, uh, with Jay Leno. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. What a great opportunity. Yeah. I mean, and I met Jay when I did an episode of, um, what's it, I think he's still doing that show, You Bet Your Life. I did an episode of that, and yeah, you nailed it. I mean, uh. Oh, thanks so So, now I'm intrigued by this, because I want to, unless you don't sure. talk about this stuff. Oh, uh, so, you're, are you in L.A.? I'm in Portland, Oregon right now, where, where I was born and raised. So I was, yeah, I came here for, during the COVID bubble in case I couldn't see, because all my family's here. So, uh, yeah, I go to did LA for acting mess. And that. I didn't do Grimm. No, I did um, Librarians, which filmed around the same time. And, um, oh, yeah, same time. I didn't do Portlandia, for example, either, but I did, what's the, the same people made Documentary Now, I did that. Um... But yeah, so I remember when I first moved to L.A. for acting in like, I don't know, 04 or something, family was like, then the Grimm started here and Portlandia started. And I was like, oh, come back to town. They're doing these. And I'm like, well, yeah, they're doing two shows yeah. now. That's great. But I mean, you know, L.A.'s not yeah, countless right. shows. even <laughs> Yeah, pilot, pilots you'll never hear about. And you know what I mean? And like, yeah, it's like. Yeah. But see, now, if nobody told you this, I would have said to you, mm-hmm. I would have said, you tell your agent to call. April Webster at Grimm, and you tell them that you would love to audition and you could work as a local hire. That's how I would have said, that's how you get on the show. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like, this is, in my mentoring, had I known you, tell them. You'll go stay at your parents' house. They don't Mm -hmm. have to, they don't have to get you a hotel. Because, you know, that's, I should have, and I and I I tell you what, like I probably I really should have because I kind of did that once when I was here for it must have been Christmas or something, and or maybe uh, yeah something like that, and like they uh there were I looked on you know Casting Frontier where you know the casting place and like they were doing a um, cold case files here in Scappoose, Oregon, which I never heard about before I auditioned for and booked it. And I sent out a little audition thing, and I said I and said because it said you know it was in L.A. you know. But it was like, must be willing to travel to Portland, Oregon. And I'm like, well, I'm from Portland, Oregon, and I'm in Portland, Oregon right now. And like, and so I did like a video audition before, like you know, everyone was doing that with, um, you know, by and large with, uh, you know, COVID and everything. And so, um, yeah, I booked it, and I yeah did a, I was a creepy killer well, for Cold Case Files. I can tell you, mm-hmm. I'm sure you were the best actor audition, but it made a difference to them. That mm-hmm. they, they were like, no, he's there. We don't. I mm-hmm. mean. And I'm on casting you know, for here. I'm not just, movie. yeah, I'm not just someone at Dunkin' Donuts in Portland going, hey, what? Oh, casting donuts? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, you always have to, you know, try to figure out what what the best shot is. You know, I've been working on a book. I, I, hmm. COVID kind of changed it all, but it's, it's called The Audition is the Job and Other Truths that I've hmm. Learned in the Land of Make Believe. Uh, a, a, a book for actors about, you know, you we worry about everything, but the only thing that gets us the job is the audition. And there's so much misinformation about how to audition. Mm. That's, that's kind of debilitating, and it, and it puts you on the wrong path. Mm. And the reason I work all the time is... But, you know, my attrition is I audition well, but when I work, I work, I work 150% all the time, but 
in the audition, like I've taught myself how to audition in such a unique manner that I often walk out of the room with the job before I get to the car. Mm. And now, now 40 years in, thank God, uh, I, I don't have to audition as much. Yeah. But guess what? When I do, I don't complain. Yeah, there's something about it. It's kind of like the hunger and everything. Like, I remember I had, um, when I got, what was it? When I booked um, Operation Repo, the audition went so, so when those auditions go so well, it's like a, almost like a drug or something. Like, when the audition went so well that you're like, uh, they're casting me or they're just not doing it. Or they're deciding they need like a different race or something, their gender to play it or something. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter. And how old are you now? Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, 30. <laughs> I, my first, my first party, I said this on a show recently, my first party in LA when I moved there, I went to a party in LA, you're just talking to people, oh, that's great, you know? And like, and like, you know, I don't, I don't even know why I asked what someone's age was or if it just came up, you know, hey, my name, how old are you? And like, you know, and you could hear a pin drop out of nowhere and he was dramatically said, you never ask an actor their age. And I never heard that besides like, you know, my mom or my aunt saying that growing up, like you don't ask a woman their age or something like that, you know, but it's just funny. Yeah, I, 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 can I tell you something? What? Uh, that, that's whoever said that. that that's, you never ask an actor. No, you never ask a woman their age. I remember that, and, yeah. Unless you ask the actor his age at, in front of... At a party, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. A yeah. professional casting director. I mean, you know, Give me a break. That's the kind of stuff that when my book comes out, mm -hmm. that guy will know that he, he's worried about. That's what I, I mean, that right there is exactly what I mean. Mm. There's a guy, that's what he's worried about. Mm -hmm. When he should be about, when I walk into the room, how can I be whatever age they want me to be? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I yeah. So I don't give a shit if I'm too old or I'm too young. Let me, let me tell you, my first part was Cave Girl. Mm -hmm. First movie I started, I was 21. Hmm. Second movie I started, where I also played a teenager, I was 22. Hmm. Uh, third movie I started, it didn't matter, uh, I was 22. And then the, the fourth movie I started where I was playing a 35-year-old guy, I was 25. So, how did I do that? Yeah. I went in each time and convinced them I was the age that they wanted. Now, there's a thing that happens in movies and TV, or like on Glee, where <sighs> sometimes you just need to find the group of actors who you could say are close enough, but aren't all the same age. Mm. Like, you remember... The one guy, I think the poor guy, killed himself, mm. OD'd, mm. Birdie, mm. and he was acting opposite people who were 22, but we believe they were all in high school in some way. Um, so, I, you know, I wouldn't worry about what did another actor say my age, my age is. Mm. I'd more worry about, um, you know, how did I best fit what they needed become the character yeah it's like i'm not a serial killer but i played one you know what i mean <laughs> so it's like you know, yeah. you know like there's a great example for you know imagine my first movie was cave girl if 
director of River's Edge had seen Cave Girl, River's Edge would not have been my second movie. <laughs> really? But when I, when I went to the audition for River's Edge, when I was 21 years old, I greased my hair down, I minimized my forehead, I put on some army jacket, uh, I stopped at uh, 7-Eleven, and I bought two bottles of booze of beer. And I walked into the office when they called me in, I mean, nobody knows who I am. And she goes, Daniel Roebuck. And I walked in, and I walked past the chair. I was sitting in the middle of the room. <clears throat> and I, I walked over to a wall, and I slid down the wall. And I opened the beer, and I took a sip. And I said, go ahead. And the director, you know, grabbed the camera, which was like grabbing a Volkswagen. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and she started reading, and as far as he knew, that I was that guy. And when I was done, I pulled out the other beer. I said, "Here, you can have this one." And I left. And you know, I had to stave off Chris Penn wanted the part, oh and they almost gave it to him. Wow! But they, they gave it to me. And it was only because I didn't go in there and say, hello, uh, I'm yeah. Dan Robot. Yeah. I'm in your movie. I went in as a person. You went in method, yeah. Huh. And I'm not, and I'm not method. You're not method. Your oh. listener, they can go to YouTube and I invite you look up Dan Robot method actor. Huh. And it really wasn't method. It wasn't, all I had to, I didn't have to live as Samson, I just had to appear to be Samson, mm -hmm. which is a you know a different approach uh, that has always worked for me. Hmm. When speaking of like a, a method, a method, not method, but a, when you play similar roles, like the similar a similar cop, a similar agent, a similar you know best buddy, a similar whatever, do you kind of go about it the same process, or is it a a unique animal type way of doing it each time. Like, is it just like, it's you know. all about, all, always about what I'm wearing. Mm hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm big on the clothes. Mm -hmm. I was big in the fugitive. I said, please do not, but you know, Joey Pants wanted, you know, Hugo Boss. He wanted, you know, he wanted $2,000 suits. Hmm. I said, I you to buy all my clothes at Sears. And they did. That was the look, yeah, huh. Uh, you know, but then I'm, you know, we're doing, and I, I think that all the cops are a little, if you look at the guy playing the fugitive and U.S. Marshals and the guy playing uh, in uh, Final Destination, <coughs> it's very different characters, mm. uh, very different kinds of approach to who they are, mm. you know. Um, so I try to always make make the thing I always try to make the thing be be a thing that they, people would be interested in seeing yeah so, so it starts week, it starts with the clothes not the makeup chair per se for you huh or, well the clothes and the, and the makeup are part of the clothes yeah you know for the fugitive audition I dressed exactly like I look at the movie oh, yeah. and I glued on 
asked me, the first thing they said was, don't shave your mustache. Well, I glued it on five minutes before I left the house. Oh. So, I felt wow. that I had to you're like a spy yeah. with all the mustaches. Wow. Well, it's funny how uh, I've done this a long time. I want to tell you something. Hmm. How I see the character and walk into the room is so often how the character looks when we're done. Hmm. You know, I, I think this guy wears a sweater vest. And then they cast me. And then the first thing the casting director or the customer pulls out his sweater vest. Wow. It's Maybe like a, someone said. It's like a higher power is guiding you, you know? <laughs> well, there's always, that's it, though. That's it, isn't it? Mm. There it is. Mm. You have to be able to think, how would this character really look on TV? Mm-hmm. He would be unique, off. One time I bumped into a series I got, uh, I mean, it was Stan Hooper. I looked at a Sheila Guthrie, who was the head of casting at Paramount, oh. and uh, our daughters were in dance together, ballet. And um, well, just by how you doing? We're good. Uh, she says, "How's your pilot season been?" And I said, "I'm reading for one of your shows." Then it was Stan Hooper. She goes, "Oh my God, oh, oh, Pete Peterson." I said, "Yes." She goes, "Dan." Nobody's, nobody's figured it out. She goes, Dan, listen to me. He's the greeter at Walmart. The mm. hail fellow. Well met. That's what she said to me. So that's why I put on the vest and put on a voice. I went in there and I was like, oh, hi, how are you? And I did this voice. And nothing to do with nothing. I made it up, literally made up when I walked through the door. And, you know, three days later, I had a TV series. Oh my god. That's so cool. But oh. I had information nobody had. Hmm. <laughs> I knew they couldn't cast the part. I knew they were desperate. And most importantly, I knew how the head of casting saw it, mm-hmm. because that's what the showrunner told her. Hmm. Now, before you were told that, did you have a, a way you were going to do it in your mind already set, or no? No, no, nothing, I, had, I would nothing. never... Yeah, I... So if I knew, like I bumped into her on a Friday or Saturday, but I knew mm-hmm. I had the audition on the Monday, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have really pulled it out to work on it until Monday. Uh, and I always, I, I would know if it was ten pages of dialogue that I would give myself an hour to learn it, mm-hmm. and if it was five pages, I'd give myself forty minutes to mm-hmm. learn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wouldn't overthink anything. Because, uh, you know, God, God leaves a lot, you know, in our, in our, in what we do when we're not doing something is a whole nother life, you know, hmm. like when you're, when you're walking from the toilet to the sit down and watch TV, you're not thinking about whatever that stuff is in between, but you're still alive and maybe you straighten hmm. a picture or maybe you go, I want a little piece of cheese and you go eat yourself cheese. But, you know, you don't want to create the whole entirety of the thing because then there's no spontaneity. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And by the way, you don't, 
the only guy who knows this is the guy who's been in 300 things. Mm-hmm. Because if you've been in 10 things, you don't know it yet. Yeah. You know, in, in the second movie, I had to do monologues acting against Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. If I were any smarter, I would have known that was impossible. But I was just stupid enough to not know that I should have been petrified. <laughs> the dare of youth. That I should have been yeah. terrified. Um, but I wasn't, you know. So I know it's a podcast so we're talking about me, but I feel like we're talking about me a lot. No, no, it's, yeah. oh my God. Well, I mean, I mean, you've done so much. You survived the industry, the Dennis frickin' Hopper to Lost. I mean, and with so many jumps in the industry, like eras wise with technology and such, is there is there a dream director you haven't worked with or a, a role that you haven't got to play yet? I guess well, I'm, I'm an actor, so for sure I wouldn't be great to work with Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the truth is, I, I enjoy working with Bob Zombie. Mm. Uh, just much as I would mm. Scorsese yeah. and you know I, I've actually been directed by my own daughter wow. so you know that's to, to see her rise to the oh, it's gotta be so rewarding yeah. Where, yeah and where she could give me an insight that I didn't have hmm. so yeah I mean I'd like to it'd be nice to meet Scorsese and it'd be nice to meet Spielberg, because I admire both of them so very much. Um, yeah, you should reach out to uh, Richard Reilly about uh, Scorsese, maybe. Well, I mean, you probably have enough connections enough that, but yeah. Huh. Well, I don't. Yeah, I've never been that. Like, there's hmm. a thing that Joey Pinchel's always great at. Hmm. He always keeps in touch with people. Just reach and out. I, and, I, hmm. Yeah, I never have. Like, what am I? Hi, Tommy Lee Jones. How you doing? <laughs> I'm fine, Grant. Don't bug. What do you need? Well, I didn't. I was just checking to see how you're doing. Well, fine. <laughs> okay. Well, take care. <laughs> I'm not going to bother Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. You know, he's got to figure out which Oscar caliber script he's going to do. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear from me. So, so Tommy Lee Jones officially is that is that serious and as he always seems, <laughs> ever so slightly commentary. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, look. Yeah. Dude, look. When you see my au revoir, mm-hmm. if you see, let's say, the three or four movies I've directed and co directed, you're going to know everything about me. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. You're going to know what I like to eat, where I like to live, what my, my faith is. I don't, mm. hopefully, I've done a good enough job that no one will know what my politics are because I don't want anybody to ever know what my politics are mm-hmm. because it's, it's business. Yeah. As, and you don't want to, uh, you don't want to split your, yeah, your fan base or. Yeah. You no, know, yeah. you're an idiot to do so. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm very forthright about faith. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, uh, 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 split forthright politics. Oh, so when you watch, what was that movie like five, eight, no, probably, shoot, what was it? ten years ago? Hmm. Uh, it, the movie where he played the guy who had to take the three crazy women across country. Oh, um, 
you ever see this? I don't recall. I mean, I, I remember the trailer and stuff. Yeah. Uh... You know, with uh, with. Uh... And it was like a good, like well, at least ten years ago, right? I don't want to say. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lovely woman and three crazy women, mm. and you and you you, you watch the movie you're like, oh god, it's, it gets worse and worse <laughs> and worse and worse. <laughs> And nobody's laughing or smiling because it gets horrible by the end. <sighs> it's, it's beyond horror. It's beyond horror. <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, Tommy Lee Jones could make any movie he wants to make. And, you know, that's what he wants to make. You know, makes me think I respect his art because the movie's spectacular in its mm. presentation. But shit, man, I couldn't watch it twice. And you'll watch, you'll watch Getting Crazy again. I promise you. At yeah. some point in your life. Oh yeah, I'm gonna show someone. Uh, yeah, I'll probably show my lady it for sure. Yeah. Um, it's just, dude, it's just, it's something. It's just something. Yeah. Uh, oh, any other, any other, any other your passion products you want to promote that people might not have heard of? Well, people, I would please invite people to go to materialofpeace.org, um, and there they can see a lot of what's coming up, um, and follow me on Facebook, Mr. Daniel Roebuck. I'm trying to be better at Instagram. Uh, I do believe that TikTok is doing more to erode our civility and our togetherness. Than any other thing. Yeah, and our, our attention span and focus, and yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, try making a movie for somebody who, uh, you know, who can only see things for a minute. Yeah, um, well, what was that? Remember, there was some um, studio, right, that was going to do that, but then COVID happened where people needed more more of their time filled. Um, was it Quibi or something? Or yeah, it was they were going to make five minute shows well, or 10 minute movies or something, right? It, it was idea. They had a bunch of stars in it. Millions of dollars in Yeah. And it failed. And there then, was even a few mm-hmm. on there. A what? On Sorry. They did a version of, of The Fugitive. Oh, yeah. Idea. With um with the guy. I didn't see it. I think I'm thinking of the right project. Where the guy who won an Oscar for... um, He was after one of the Hemsworth brothers, right? It was the, kind of like The Fugitive? Or, yes. Was, I thought it was... Yeah. It may have been a... Whatever, I mean, it was yeah. made for me. It was, it yeah. was, hmm. it, it was like, why would you, you know, uh, it's still, it's like watching a big movie, but on your phone. Yeah, were, what was their idea? Just like, oh, you're waiting in line at the bank, or you're at a red light, and you're going to watch a 30-second yeah, episode? Is that what, I mean? Well, <laughs> where they were really screwy is, everybody has Netflix, because they watch their mom and dad's Netflix. Yeah. They thought kids. We're going to, kids want to see The Fugitive? No, <laughs> kids want to watch Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Man. You know? Hmm. So, uh, the, you know, they were, they had that wrong. So, yes, please, people, if they would go to that. But uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming out. And um, uh, I've, got a, I've got a great part in a, great horror movie coming mm-hmm. out also that I'm 
not at liberty to talk about. Oh, okay. but... NDAs are just, uh, are just at that point where you just can't quite talk about it? Okay. Yeah, I just can't quite talk about it. But mm. it's, uh, it's joining another horror franchise. Oh. It's joining with a great role. You wouldn't be able to say it's, so... if it's Universal or not, right? Not Universal Monsters related? Or... I wish. Oh. Um, but uh, it's it'll be good for fans of modern horror. Okay. How's that for yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be another uh, another uh, Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order sequel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, more and more to come. I got a, I got a very busy year ahead of me. Very cool. Man. I know it. I mean, the talent's there. Man, well, Daniel, we've probably taken enough of your time. I don't want you to fall asleep or do you on there for a second. But... No, I'm going <laughs> think... to do, look, I've got to do what, you know, i got to go from talking about this special, unique, magical world I get to act in and work in to the world I live in. i got to go get my car. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. And you have two, you have, how many kids do you have at home still, too? Two, well, I have two kids, oh. not at home. Oh, okay. Buster and Grace. Grace, Buster the director. To, Grace hey, was director, speaking of Grace, was um was getting was the name getting Grace uh, inspired by your daughter's name? Did you have that? It impact? absolutely. The movie was the character's name was always Grace, mm. but the movie I initially was given was called Bending Spoons. Hmm. But oh yeah, from that Grace, scene, yeah, from that great scene with um yeah, the author. Oh wow. In the actual movie, there's a story about one teacher saying, uh, one teacher saying that Grace was a problem, and the other teacher saying she was delightful. Hmm. Uh, this really happened to my Grace. And hmm. we're driving home from the parent-teacher conference, and we're kind of confused because one teacher loved her, and the other hated her. Hmm. And my that my wife at the time said she said some people will get grace and others never will oh, meaning yeah. understand yeah humor. but the double on the double meaning of that's yeah, brilliant I, yeah i dude i heard that and i like, thought ding, that's, that's something you're gonna be able to use yeah man maybe everything's connected because um grace faith-based film and i uh i went to grace collins um catholic school daycare as a kid so it's just oh. kind of funny that's all yeah. huh it's good grace is a we should be we should all be touched by by god's grace mm. and and we all can by god's grace and we all are touched by god's grace but some of us just don't want to believe that mm. that's a possibility they want to believe that everything they do is there when things go well they say this is what i did when things go crappy they go the world's against me mm. but you, you just put your faith in a higher power the right one mm. anything is possible yeah i mean i mean yeah like all those people that are not believers and not judging anyone either way but it's how many how many people do you think that didn't believe were praying when they were on that uh, alaska airlines flight sure but that how the panel flew off i think it was above oh, sure. this city portland i mean oh. the, the panel's open you look at the night sky on your flight oh my oh, god no, you would think they're probably all praying. <laughs> Some higher power. Everybody's a believer. Like that. By the way, very good movie on Netflix. 
Society of Snow about the Andes Playcrafts mm. survivors. Okay. Uh, and if you know that book, it was a, a book called Alive that we all read in the 70s. Well, I, I saw the movie Alive. Was it the same same story? Or? Right. Story. But imagine kind of interestingly made with actual South Americans. Mm. So they're all Spanish. You know, I watch a movie like that in state of language. So it's you're getting more of the sense of what it was really like mm. instead of Ethan Hawk. Yeah. The yeah. Guy, yeah. You know, respectfully. No, yeah. I, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you take a shot, by the way. When they made that movie, mm-hmm. and I was the right size and shape of Nando Parado, who mm-hmm. is the hero of the story that Ethan Hawk played in the movie. Mm-hmm. I went to read to be one of the pilots mm. to Frank Marshall in the audition and said, is there any chance you'd let me read for Nando? I, I know this part so well. I knew that story inside and out and read about it 50 times. Oh. And he said, no, no. We've got, we've got people for those parts. Mm. But you take your shot. Yeah. How can you not? Yeah. Um, all right, my friend, would you and your listeners have a great night? And I'm grateful. Uh, and just please be in touch with Tammy and she'll get you any pictures you need. Oh, thanks. Yeah, again, thanks. Thank Tammy for me. And uh, thanks so much for your breath of work. That truly inspires. And uh, we'll constantly see more and more. Thanks again, Daniel. I hope so. All right, God bless. All right, God bless, man. Night, bro. That was the tremendously talented Daniel Roebuck, who you know from, well, pardon my language, damn near everything. Ow! Well, friends, the theater lights have come back on overhead. Please clean up the candy wrappers you snuck in and traverse safely. See you next week, or super fans online at patreon.com backslash the Kev One Show. Good night. <laughs> This portion of that Kev One show is supported by Bohemian Dream Gifts, made with organic and natural oils that nourish and hydrate your skin. Man, I don't know if it's the weather outside or the gym that was killing my skin, because my right elbow on the, uh, it itched like the Dickens, like I've become like the lizard from Marvel Comics. Um, I think it's that machine where you put your elbow in and do the lifts, you know, for the bicep. But uh, I was itching my skin like crazy during, uh, well, I won't say who because I don't want them associated with rough skin with one of our guests <laughs> here in the near future here. <laughs> but my left, my right elbow was getting ashy and coming up, getting red and irritated. Anyway, I used some of the promotional cookie dough body oil from Bohemian Dream Gifts that they gave us. And my skin, I'm not kidding, came back. I can vouch for that one. The cookie dough oil baby body oil, the cookie dough body oil brought my skin back to life like an Evanescence song. I'm not kidding. My skin is smooth and happy again. 100%. You can buy cookie dough oil on Etsy at the Bohemian Dream Gifts shop. Check out their other stuff as well, but that's one that I that I swear by now. <laughs> and as soon as my promotional one runs out, I'm going to order some myself. So go to Etsy and visit the Bohemian Dream Gifts shop today. What's better than your favorite talk show? Well, maybe... Homemade delicious food, cold beer, or a drink of your choosing in a comfortable atmosphere. Well, look no further than the Boulevard Tap House. 
for the world's famous fish and chips, seafood, all-around delicious menu with pizza, all kinds of food, wings, steak bites, anything you can imagine. We want to watch the big game or catch some live jazz. We pick the right night. Open seven days a week. Go to BoulevardTapHouse.com right now. I like to go to their Terwilliger Curve location. That's the uh, the uh, home location for their not only their fish and chips, and they knew that they always used to give me uh, um, Caesar Caesar chicken salad and wine. Um, they kind of made jokes and made fun of me that my favorite food there now might just be the brand new. Mark Kevin. That's a margarita pizza named after me. <laughs> Don't know if they do it because I'm Italian or what, but I had it, and it is delicious and, uh, dare I say, nutritious. Anyway, friends, go on in. Have a great time. When you're there, you truly are family. No cap. Enjoy the Boulevard Tap House today. <laughs> 